and the Bible says that they were cleansed as they walked. This is the gospel in one phrase. And as they went, they were cleansed. Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. On today's episode, Pastor Jordan teaches on Jesus, the cleanser, and how we can walk in gratitude for God's goodness. We hope this message builds and strengthens you today. Let's receive the word together. Today I want to talk to you about Jesus, the cleanser. Jesus, the cleanser. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus was a cleanser, and you need to be cleansed. Don't say it with too much judgment, though. Say it. (laughs) Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bible, will you turn there with me? If not, grab the Bible right in front of you or or, um, pull it up on the app. Or, of course, we'll always have it on the screen. But there's something about those pages turning that I love to hear. Luke 17. Wasn't worship phenomenal today? It's just amazing. (laughs) Every Sunday during Presence Night, the presence is here. The team is doing an amazing job. You know, it it takes a lot to be able to uh, have the skill and the uh, the practice. It doesn't just happen, you know, but we are so blessed to have worship like we have every Sunday. Luke chapter 17, we're going to read verses 11 through uh, 19. And the Bible says this, On the way to Jerusalem, he was heading towards the end. Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, rise. And go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. The truth is, when you respond to God's goodness with gratefulness, it will always unlock the greater gift. Really, the greatest gift, which is salvation. See, the problem that many times we run into even when serving God, even when blessed by God, is, is we run into the, the issue of entitlement. And entitlement believes it deserves what it got. But gratitude recognizes the value of the giver over the gift. And I pray we are a church. Awakening is a church filled with God's grateful people. That our response to God's gracious cleansing in our lives is a heart filled with, that, with gratitude, a heart motivated by gratitude for the goodness of God. Now let's pray. God, we thank you for your radical generosity, your goodness and your grace. And God, I pray that we never ever take it for granted, that we don't even get used to it, 
But God, every Sunday, every uh, step in our life that we continually come back to you with a heart of gratefulness for your radical generosity towards us. You are so good. And I pray today, God, even as I speak, God, will you unlock these verses for us? Will you show us the jewels within, Lord? And I pray you'll change us and encourage us that we will leave different than we came. And God, I do pray for anyone right now that is struggling with, with guilt or with shame, with, un, with an unclean nature, may today be the day where they meet you as the cleanser. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. I've never gotten applause for a prayer before, but that felt interesting. Maybe it shows that we're on the right track with what we're preaching today. Jesus encounters 10 lepers. The Bible says that he's on the border between Samaria and Galilee. And if you know anything about, about biblical history, these two groups of people hated each other. The Samaritans hated the Jews. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They, had, they weren't just different races, really. It stemmed from their religious differences. And Jesus, as usual, is walking in the in-between. He's in the, the border zone because God is so good that he can reach all. Jesus is so unique that he unifies the disunited, not under the old way, but under his blood. And so God comes, you know, it, it, to me it's even a picture of heaven and earth. They should be distant and there should be no correlation, but Jesus walks that gap between heaven and earth and he connects us. So here he is doing it on earth between the Samaritans and the Gal Galileans, he's, he's, he's walking there intentionally. And, and in this place, there are 10 lepers. And the lepers are here. If you know anything about, about leprosy and how it was treated in that time, they're here because they're disregarded and they are cut off from both of, of their lands. The Samaritans can't stay in Samaria. The, the Jews cannot stay in Galilee. So they're ostracized from the community and they're set out because they have this, this disease. They have this disease of leprosy, so they are not wanted by their own people. And you know, th this, this even reminds me of a, of a tribe that our church for many, many, many years had supported in Thailand. It's called the Karin tribe. And they're a Christian tribe that, that because they're Christian, they're not wanted by Thailand or Burma because Thai, Thailand and Burma are Buddhist nations. And so this, this tribe of Christians, million people, are in the forest, in the jungles, surviving over, uh, surviving off of nothing, in the middle of conflicts and war, trying to practice their faith in following Jesus, and they're rejected by all men. Blessed are you when you are rejected by all men. And, and this, is, this is the work of Jesus to come to people like that. And he comes to these men, these lepers, that are standing, the Bible tells us, at a distance. In other words, they're far from God. Have you ever been far from God? Have you ever felt like you were at a distance? And even if you wanted to, you couldn't get close. That's where these men lived, standing a long way off from God. The good news is God closes the distance. He closes the gap. And all of this, you know, when he enters the equation, is about to change. And they need it to change because they can't change it on their own. They're lepers. 
And leprosy is a physical disease with social implications. Leprosy is an incurable disease, and no one even knows how you got it back then. And, and so when someone got leprosy, they had to go to the priests. And the, if the priests saw that this was the incurable disease of leprosy, they were pronounced and judged to be ostracized from the community. They could not come close. They could not touch anyone. They lost their homes. They lost their families. They lost their jobs. And you know the worst part? They couldn't go to temple, which means they lost their connection to God. Cut off from the community. Ostracized. And, and this disease, it's interesting because it really is a biblical picture of the spiritual nature of sin. See, this disease, what it would do, it would deaden your senses. So you couldn't feel anymore. You couldn't be sensitive anymore. You could put your hand on a boiling plate and, and it, you wouldn't even notice. And because of that, people got cuts and got infections because they didn't even notice that they got cut. And, it, and, and their limbs began to die and their organs began to shut down and their arms and, and their hands, they began to, 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 to uh, go into a state of rigor mortis. In other words, they were living corpses. It was like a zombification. They were the walking dead. And they had to, they had to, they had to leave their hair undone and they had to cover their faces. And, and ironically, they had to keep six feet distance from everybody. It's true. And, and, and they, they had to be visibly sick. And then they had to shout out wherever they went, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine everywhere you go having to tell everyone, don't come near me. I'm unclean, I'm bad for you. So now there's the elements of shame and condemnation and they live in this far off from man, far off from God. And see, that's what sin wants to do to you. It wants to deaden your senses, make you no longer sensitive to the little things. It wants to shut you down. It wants you to be a living, walking corpse. And it wants you to have self-condemnation I'm unclean, I'm unclean. That's what sin wants to make of us. And that really is the spiritual reality of sin. All have sinned, all have fallen short, all have gotten this disease. And, and sin, we know, separates us. Just as leprosy separated them from the people, sin sets you back. Sets you back from God. Sets you back in life. It sets you back from man. Sin, it doesn't just separate you, it sets you back, it puts you at a distance. Can I tell you, unforgiveness sets you back. If you can't talk about that person or see that person or be around that person without this thing coming up, hear me, that colors like the prism or a filter, it colors your whole life. And eventually it will set you back from trusting people, set you back from loving people. It will set you back from going forward. I, I, I pray with young men all the time where they have to forgive their fathers. And, and many times they'll say, I know I have to do this because I'm going to be a father. I just became a father. And they know I can't hate who I'm about to become. I need to forgive in order to become better. If you're not careful, unforgiveness more than anything else can hold you back from God's mercy, can call you, call, hold you back from God's deliverance. It's a sin that will set you back. Pride sets you back. Sets you away from everyone else. No one wants to be around a prideful person. You hang out with them, you don't even need to be there. They talk to themselves, they talk about themselves. They got the lights so bright on themselves, they barely noticed you were there. 
And you walk away, and what do you say? You're on your own. Because sin will set you back. Foolish decisions, unwise living, lack of self-discipline, no self-control. This will set you back. Well, I felt it, man. I felt it, so I just had to say it. You know me. I always tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. What you mean to say is I have no self-control. You know me. I felt it, so I had to do it. I thought it, so I had to say it. And then you say, my boss always passes me by for promotion. You're set back. You're set back. Your tongue, uncontrolled, filled with sin. Your mind, uncontrolled, filled with sin, will set you back. Hear these men. We're set back from God a long way off. But the good news of Jesus is that he will come close enough to you that you could get a glimpse of him. And just one glimpse of Jesus can begin to radically change your life. Just one glimpse of Jesus. Just one glimpse of his presence. One glimpse of his goodness. One glimpse of his grace. Hear me, it's all you need is just one glimpse of God. These men, though far away, they could see that God had come for them. And, and that's what God, I believe, gives us. He gives us a glimpse so that we can reorient our lives and begin to, begin to chase after him, shout after him, call after him, run after him. God will give you a glimpse of him if you're looking for him. Know this. He'll give you a glimpse. Maybe that glimpse of God is in the life or the eyes or the smile of your newborn child. Maybe you got a glimpse of God in the love of a father. Maybe, maybe you got a glimpse of God when someone forgave you and they really shouldn't have. Maybe you get a glimpse of God on Sunday morning in church. During worship, it's almost like the heavens part for a second. I got a glimpse of God. Feel that mercy, that anointing. Seeing baptisms, every week we see a glimpse of God. Every week we see God working in people's lives at the altar. Maybe during the word, God will give him a glimpse. God will give you a glimpse of himself so that he will chase after you. Because the relationship with God is a little bit like an old school relationship. Like, like before phones and texting, if you liked a person, you had to go to a place to meet that person. Like if you liked a girl, you had to go like where she worked, like a bowling alley. You know, it's like I'm talking like the 1950s. You had to go to the soda pop fountain, okay? God, God, God's so good where he says, look, I want to have a relationship with you, so I'm just going to show you who I am, and then, and then I'm going to invite you to come close. This is how good he is. The Bible says in Hebrews, looking to Jesus, not looking to ourselves, not looking to our sin, not looking to the world, not looking to our leaders, but look to Jesus because he is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Without Jesus, we have no faith. Without Jesus, our faith will not be perfected. But if we can just fix our eyes on Jesus, he'll begin to give us the faith we need for a life to be changed. If you could just see Jesus, that distance will become closed. He'll close the gap. They shouted out. When they saw him, they called. God will never ignore the call of his people. Know this, ever. He might not answer in the timing or the way that you want, but he will always answer. They called out, Jesus, Master, Savior, have mercy on us, help us. And the Bible says that Jesus saw them. It's one thing for you to see God. 
but God needs to see you. And, and, and Jesus saw them. He focused on them. And what did he say? He instructed them, go show yourself to the priest, the very person that ostracized them from society through judgment, saying you cannot be here. He's the person that could give their life back, but they had to be cleansed. But when Jesus said for them to do this, they were still filled with leprosy. They were still broken. They were still bleeding. They were still sick. But Jesus has an implicit promise, if you will obey me, and if you will follow me, you'll see healing. Go show the priest. And now they had a choice. They could have looked at their circumstances. They could have looked at themselves. They could have looked at their problems and lived out of that. Or they could trust the word of God. They had a choice. And the Bible says they immediately began their journey. And the Bible says that they were cleansed as they walked. As they went, they were cleansed, cleansed along the way. This is the gospel in one phrase. And as they went, as they went to church, they were cleansed. As they went to crew, they were cleansed. As they went to the altar, they were cleansed. As they came to the presence, they were cleansed. As they came to the word, they were cleansed. It, it's, this is how God works. This is the secret. It's as you walk with him. That's when the cleansing happens. And you might want to say it was at this moment and it was at this place where everything was changed radically. And even that may be true, but can I tell you, most of the cleansing will happen in the walking. And the little voice and the conviction and the helping and the times and seasons of fasting and prayer through, through the voice of your child or the voice of your spouse or the voice of your pastor or the voice of the word. It's in the walking that God does the cleansing. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that God likes to work along the way? That he'll convict you, that he'll help you, that he'll let you know, and, and then and, and then he's not done, like he's got more to do. And further in the relationship with God, he'll convict you again. He works along the way. I mean, remember when Jesus called Peter and the disciples, they were fishing by the shore. He says, follow me and I will make you. What is this? This is an invitation to a journey of cleansing, healing, deliverance along the way. Follow me and I'm gonna work on you. Follow me, and I'm going to change you. Peter, he changed his whole identity. Follow me, I'm going to rename you. I'm going to reappoint you. Follow me, and I'll make you. I'll make you. Some of you are trying to work on you. This is the year, baby. This is the season. I'm just focusing on me right now. God says, follow me, I'll make you. And who better to recreate than the creator? Who better to redesign than the designer? Who better to fix than the one that knows the original plan? This is God's great invitation to us, is to walk with him because God works as you walk. I know it's simple, but it's profound. God works as you walk. See, for these, these lepers, it was as they listened, they got cleansed. It's as they walked, they got cleansed. It's as they headed in the direction, they got cleansed. It was somewhere, it was somewhere along the way. It was somewhere between God's word and, and the priest. It was somewhere. Was it at mile one? Was it at minute 10? It, it, was, it was during all of it and during some of it because see, that's, that is how God works 
he almost, he almost heals us sometimes without us even noticing it. Have you, ever, have you ever encountered that, like that moment of realization that God changed something in me? Like you see that person that you used to have boundless bitterness for, you just had a, you had like the world's deepest pool of bitterness towards that person. And you see them and all of a sudden you realize that pool's been drained. Wait, I thought I, hmm, I didn't feel that hurt. I didn't feel that anger. When did that change? Somewhere along the way. I don't know if it was a sermon or if it was at the altar. It's tough to tell. But God's working on you. He's working on you. Have you ever had that moment where you make, maybe you make a good decision? You ever shocked when you make a good decision? <laughs> or you think like, that, that was actually, you're, like, you're blown away. That was actually a good decision. And so, people that make good decisions are like, yeah, we do that all the time. And you're like, yeah, but that was a good one though, right? Come on, come on, give me credit. That was wise. It wasn't self-destructive. Well, what happened? Because you used to make self-destructive decisions. Maybe you made unwise decisions, foolish decisions, but as you begin to walk with God, he begins to impart his wisdom to you, his mind to you, his thoughts to you, and somewhere along the way, you go from making bad decisions to good decisions. He cleansed the way you think, but he does it along the way. I mean, one of my favorite stories my dad tells is when he was uh, cleansed from cigarettes. And he would talk about how he would beg and plead God for many, 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 many months. And then one day he felt that something lifted from him. And he was um, delivered from this addiction to nicotine. And he, was, he, he talks about that next day where he's working around the house and he's cutting things. And he says, I feel like I'm forgetting something. He can't remember what he's forgetting. And, um, and so he... He goes on throughout the day, and then later on he says, I just feel like, what am I forgetting? It took him the whole day to remember that he's supposed to be addicted. Because God cleansed him along the way. This is how God works if we'll be faithful to walk. But you and I, we've got to take a step. That's what a step of faith is, that you begin the journey, that you follow the directions, that you begin to walk with God, walk with God, that, that you take that step. I think too many times we are waiting on God to do all the work, take the entire journey, come all the way to us, and sometimes we couch it in spiritual language like, hey, I'm just waiting on God. And it's like, no, you're waiting for God to do everything. But the reality is, here's the principle God works in. It's the principle of partnership. Go all the way. Look at Adam. God says, all right, I did all the work, but you name the animals. It's the easiest job, but it is a job. Because men are supposed to work a job. I don't care how difficult it is or how easy. This is a different sermon. This is remnant for Tuesday night. <laughs> I just go off. And another thing. But what's God doing? He's partnering with Adam. I'll do the difficult stuff, the universe creation, the fish, but you, you help bring identity to it. We'll partner together to finish the work of creation. This is what God does. He partners with people, which means you and I have to bring something to the relationship. We, we've got to take a step in the journey, a walk towards God. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Well, hold on. No, no, God, I'm supposed to call out, and you draw near to me. No, 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 no. You take a step and I'll close the rest of the gap. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is how he works. See, it's an act of faith that will, will, it will take, create a void for God to fill. When you take that step, there's a void. 
There's a, a gap. There's a need that's created. And God loves to fill the voids. I mean, let's go back to Genesis. In the beginning, there was only darkness and there was void. And so God said, well, let me get involved. When you take a step of faith, there now, is, there now must be a equal or greater opposite reaction from God. He's got to fill that gap. He's got to fill that void. And this is that gap of trust where you say, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. I'm not quite sure when it's going to happen, but I am going to take a step of faith. I say this because sometimes we want to see the entire landscape before we take the journey. I, I say this because sometimes we want to know the end destination before we begin. But the reality with God is sometimes you have to start in the fog. Sometimes you got to start without the GPS working. Sometimes God says, I want you to learn how to trust. Take a step. What am I saying? I'm saying don't avoid the void. Allow God to have to come and meet you as you expect him. This is what faith is. Do you remember when Peter was walking on water? Remember that story? The Bible says the disciples are caught in a storm. It's in the middle of the night. They've, they've gone with all their effort as far as they can, and they've gotten nowhere. The Bible says that God showed up. All the other disciples thought it was a ghost, but Peter thought it was God. And he says, Lord, if it is you, call me. Tell me to come to you. Do you remember he said that? Tell me to come. I think this is brilliant because he's asking God to give him a word. Tell me to come. Because if you have faith in God's word, he'll never let you down. I'm grateful that Peter, Peter didn't just make it up. All right, I'm coming. No, he says, tell me. And if you don't tell me, I'm not, I won't come. But if you tell me, I'll do it. Even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of unsure, if you tell me, tell me to come. And what was God's response? One word, come, come. I'm not going to give you much more than that. Come. And Peter says, that's all I need. So he put his faith in the word of God and he stepped out of the boat. That's the step of faith. But what I find personally so amazing about that step is it wasn't, it wasn't a small step. And that distance between his foot in the water, that void, that was a great void. Because what Peter was doing with that step was he was expecting God to change the nature of physics. He was expecting God to change all of creation. You sink in water. You don't stand in water. But his faith was so strong. If I could make a film, I would zoom in on his foot coming out of the boat and coming close to the water. I would have a crescendo, it'd be slow-mo, because that gap, that gap, that gap is an expectation that all of nature will, will change to your desire. That gap is proclaiming that you are God greater than anything else that's created. I mean, that is a step of faith, completely unsure, completely unsure. And yet, he, that void right there, that's the void that God has to fill. And of course he does, because he's so good. That step is what? It's the expectation of the miraculous. And I think sometimes that's what God's asking us to do. He says, come on, come on, take a step. All of nature, the whole world, will shift to what I desire. Come to me, come to me, come to me. Some of you, God's calling you to take a step of faith. Some of you, God's calling you to take a step of forgiveness. And even as I spoke about forgiveness, you thought of a real person. 
And you thought, oh, man, that's the person for me. And today God is saying, I, I want you to take a step of faith to release that person from your debt and allow me to be the judge. And until you do that, I can't step in. Take that step. Some of you, God's calling you to take a step of trust. Maybe you feel like, oh, I got burned by church or I got hurt or, 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 or maybe I feel like I'm so unclean, I'm not even worthy to be here, but God's saying, I want you to come. I want you to be a part. I want you to join the congregation and the community. I want you to trust in me. I want you to trust in God. Maybe that's the step that you have to take. I don't know. Maybe it's a physical step, like just something very very usual where God's saying, I want you to take a step of faith with this house or, or with this land or with your child. And maybe you're being called to move your child out of a school or to homeschool. I don't know what it is for you, but God's saying, take a step. Take a step. And you say, well, God, I don't know about running the whole marathon. Who said anything about the marathon? Take one step. Take one step. We'll, we'll talk about the next one next. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's leaving a job. Maybe it's starting a, a company. Maybe it's, maybe it's, Maybe it's getting married to that person you've been dating for nine years. I don't know. <laughs> do you know or do you not know? How long do you need to decide? Take a step. Okay. All right, who's not clapping? Because I think sometimes when we talk about faith, it can be so grandiose that the reality is, no, it's just one step and it's very practical. But the point is, when you do take that step, this is what you're going to find about God. You're going to find miracles along the way. You find miracles along the way. As you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And so the Bible tells us that as the lepers, as they walked, they were cleansed. And that's, that's the journey of Christianity. That's the life. But one person realized, oh, I'm different. Oh, I'm changed. And he tells all the others, look, it, we're cleansed. And, and they realize we're cleansed, but only one makes the decision to turn back. Only one came back. One of them saw that he was healed, turned around. And he came back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell at Jesus' feet, the Bible says, giving him thanks. One person had a response, the lone response of gratitude. Why? Why only one? See, nine were focused on the healing, but only one was focused on the healer. One response of gratitude. See, gratitude rises within this man, not just for the gift he received, but for the giver that gave this gift. And this man recognizes something just happened. I just had a connection. I just had a moment. God just showed himself to me. And so instead of going to the priest, he decides to go to the high priest. He turns around, comes back to the feet of Jesus. My question for you is when was the last time you recognized God and his goodness and you responded with gratefulness? Because God's expecting it. God's desiring it. God's hoping that gratitude gets intertwined with our motivations. I heard a story from the pastor, Matthew Henry, talks about how, how, this is how dedicated this man was to gratitude in his life. He talks about a time where he was mugged and robbed. These men stole his wallet. Later that night, he went home and he decided to write down what he was grateful for about the incident. He wrote, number one, that they only took my wallet and they didn't take my life. Number two, there wasn't that much money in the wallet. And number three, that I was the robbed and not the robber. Yeah. 
there's always something to be grateful for in life. And this is a motivation or a way of living that God wants us to engage in because the reality is gratitude is a rare response. It doesn't come naturally. It's not normal. I mean, look at these biblical numbers. One out of 10. One out of 10. It's not a good return. And one out of 10 is God-tier numbers. Like, so I want to warn you, if you are living your life to get thanks for others, from others, the numbers aren't great. You might want to rethink why you do what you do. <laughs> because if you're living hoping you'll receive gratitude from people, the numbers on the board, they're not very good. In fact, God even knew. Jesus even said, I'm not going to receive the praise from these people because I know it's in their hearts. I, I know how they really think. I know how they really act. So I'm going to be careful how much I allow myself to base my life and my decisions based on other people. So then what do we do? Well, I think we still approach with gratitude, especially with how rare it is, but we approach with a God-centric way to live, not people-centric. Like this is what Paul's speaking about to the Colossians. He says, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in your life, in your job, your decisions, make sure it is God-centric, that it is for God, that it is through God, that it honors God. Make sure it's all about God and let him get the thanks of your life because that's what God desires. It's what's holy. And I just want to warn you, if you live your life for the gratitude of people, you'll always be lonely. But if you live your life in gratitude to God, He'll always restore you to a great community. You know what's interesting that I see from this story, just an odd note? It doesn't even take good doctrine to be grateful. That's what I find from this story. The Bible says, now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus even calls him a foreigner, not in a derisive tone, but in a tone of that the word is in a surprise. Like, this guy gets it, and you guys who know better don't even get it. This man is a Samaritan. In other words, he actually didn't have good doctrine. Do you remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? And, and she says, I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a Jewish man. How could you ask me for water to drink? And when he begins to show her that she's a prophet, that, that he is a prophet, she says, oh, seeing that you're a man of God, let's settle this debate. Who's right? Who's got good doctrine? Should we be worshiping on Mount Gerizim or should we be worshiping on Mount Zion in Jerusalem? And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, well, you're wrong. It's not Mount Gerizim, which I'm grateful because God's correcting your doctrine. He said, no, you're wrong. He said, but it actually doesn't matter anymore. It's not about the place. It's about the person. And those that are going to worship, they're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And I am here and I am the living temple. <laughs> Unbelievable. But it shows me that this man who's been kind of worshiping wrong his whole life, that, that's been missing God, even though he has bad doctrine, his gratitude gets him to the right place. That is an unbelievable truth. That even if you don't know everything, even if you're new to the faith, even if you're unsure, even if you maybe believe some odd things, if you are grateful to God, I believe that thing can carry you to the right place. I mean, like, like, to me, this is a modern-day picture of a Mormon who has wrong beliefs, 
But if they've got the right heart, I pray that that can get them to the feet of Jesus. You know, so I, I, so I, like, I believe good doctrine is so important and we need to have it. But can I tell you what it seems from this that's even more important? Jesus. There's going to be things we disagree with other churches and in, in, in different parts of Christianity. But can I tell you what matters the most? Jesus. Jesus is our everything. He is our all. And if we've got the right heart, the right approach, eventually, I believe, gratitude will get you to the feet of Jesus. Arguments won't, and, 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 and condemnation won't. Even the law won't. The law kept him at a distance. But grace and gratitude brought him to the king. And so here he is, worshiping God, thankful to God. Bible says this, if you want to get to God, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. In other words, the gates of God's presence are entered through gratitude. It matters to God how we respond to him. And God isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for thankfulness. Well, that's helpful. Because somewhere we've all got some wrong doctrine. Somewhere we all, somewhere we all believe something that we can't even live up to. Somewhere we've all got sin. Somewhere we've all got uncleanness. But if God's good enough to bless us, if God's good enough to cleanse us, then may our response be gratitude. I don't want the blessing God gives me to become my new God. I want the blessing to lead us to the blesser. And he comes to the feet of Jesus, and God lifts him up, because that's always what God does, rise up. He always lifts us up. And he says this phrase, which is so powerful. He says, now your faith has made you well. The New King James, the King James uses this translation. It says, your faith has made you whole or hath saved thee is another translation. Your faith has made you well. This, this phrase, Jesus says, it's not just confirming that he was healed. It's not just saying, like, good job coming back. That's why you were healed. He was already healed. What Jesus is giving is more than affirmation. He's giving, like, a greater gift or if I could use the word dispensation. He's giving a greater dispensation to the man with gratitude. All 10 were healed, but only one came back, and only one got this phrase, your faith has made you well, made you whole. But do you know what the Greek word for this word well is, if you could put it up? It's sosokin. comes from the Greek word sozo, which is where we get the word salvation. Save, heal, persevered, rescue. So what is Jesus saying to this man? He's saying, because of your faith, you're saved. All the men were healed in their body, but only one was saved in their soul. I want to be the one that even more than being cleansed by God, receives the eternal salvation from God. I want this church to be the ones that more than receiving the gift, more than receiving the blessing, more than receiving even the goodness, but that we are people carried by gratitude back to his feet so that we can receive the greater gift of his gracious salvation. Greater than the healing, you receive salvation. When you respond to God's goodness with gratefulness, 
God releases the even greater, which is salvation for your soul. See, what, what this story means is that God comes close to the isolated and he answers our call for help. He heals us by cleansing us along the way. Maybe you feel like, well, I'm not fully cleansed yet. Can I encourage you? Keep walking. Stay close to God. Stay in his presence. Read the word. If you're alive, he's not done with you yet. And if you die as a child, he took care of it. Saved, redeemed, new body, new, you're just new. But as long as you're here on earth and you're walking with God, he'll continue to cleanse you along the way. And so may your response, may my response, may our response be one of gratefulness that brings us back to the feet of Jesus that we can receive the greatest gift, which is Jesus, and the salvation he gives. It matters how we respond to God. And we want to, we want to respond today with gratefulness. Can you say amen? We hope that you feel encouraged by this message and that you can begin the journey of gratitude that cleanses along the way. If you're local to Rhode Island, take your faith to the next level and join us on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Presence Nights, where we gather and pursue Him through prayer. Also, you're invited to visit us for our new service times every Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. Head to awakeningchurch.org for more info. God bless you, Awakening.